0: With 15 books under her belt, one might not expect to hear that today's guest spent several years disconnected from her creativity. But when Courtney Kenny was laid off in 2015, it was a wake-up call. She realized she was burned out and it was time to do something more enjoyable with her life. Leveraging her project management skills from her previous career, she started a successful book launch business and began writing nonfiction books. Just two years later, she'd also found the courage to start writing novels. To learn more about Courtney's unique journey, setting creative habits, and adopting a learning mindset, be sure to listen to today's episode of the Fearless Storyteller Podcast. In exchange for your support on Patreon, you'll receive monthly one-on-one sessions with yours truly. I'm a certified master life coach, and I've worked with best-selling authors, award-winning filmmakers, and everything in between. Help fund the show today and get the support you need to take the next step forward on your own unique journey as a storyteller. Again, visit patreon.com forward slash Ethan Frackleton. All right. Enough with that on to today's show. Courtney Kenny, welcome to the Fearless Storyteller.
1: Hi, Ethan, it's great to be here.
0: It's great to be here. I'm sorry we couldn't connect in person this last year um, <laughs> But for people who don't know who you are, what would you like to share about yourself?
1: Sure I am so Courtney Kenny, I write nonfiction about creativity and thriving with creative habits. And Mm -hmm. I also run a a book launch consulting business. So I work with nonfiction authors, usually authors who are traditionally published in the health and wellness and with business books. Mm -hmm. Um, And I help them. So I strategize and help them with their launches and all of the book marketing and all of the project management around that. Mm -hmm. And then I also write fiction sci-fi and post-apoc as uh, Cameron Coral which is my pen name and I have 11 books through Cameron Coral
0: Wow 11 books
1: <laughs> I do <laughs> yeah it went well, so how, it's kind of crazy
0: <laughs> okay so I'm guessing from the nonfiction stuff and the book launch business like so you're you're full-time independent now is that right doing doing your thing
2: yes.
1: I am. Yes. So so my, how
0: did that come about? Like, how did you like decide you wanted to work for yourself and did it start with the nonfiction business and kind of that project management side?
1: It did. Yes. So I, yeah, my career has been in project management. So I worked for a corporation for 15 years and they actually, they laid me off in 2015, which Mm. was kind of a kind of a wake-up call at the time Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. that um, I realized I was pretty burned out and I wanted to do something different with my life. Mm -hmm. And then I had another wake-up call around that same time because my stepfather passed away really suddenly. Mm -hmm. So I realized like, hey, life is kind of short and I wanted to do something. I mean, project management had given me a lot of great career opportunities throughout the years, but I wanted to do something more creative and, you know, use use some of the skills that I had in a different way and just do something more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of when I started getting into, I started learning about writing and learning about self-publishing because around that time was when I started listening to people like Joanna Penn and her mm-hmm. podcast and I found, I actually had a friend, and a neighbor friend who self-published her first book, and she was doing really well to the point where she could quit her job, and so that kind of got me interested in like, whoa, what you know? I buy books on Kindle, and this is really fun. And can I do this too?
2: Mm.
1: So it just got my got my interest up, and so I ended up um, after being laid off for a while, I I took the plunge and just started self-publishing some some. Nonfiction. So I did a book about a career change and after a layoff,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and just got kind of got the writing bug and wanted to try to make a career out of it. I actually ended up going back and in, into a corporate job for about nine months and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> realized I, I wanted to like give it one more chance and, and make sure you know this was the right thing to do. And I I did those nine months and I just wasn't happy <laughs> and I <laughs> I quit and I took a leap of faith and I started, I got my first client and it just, it took off from there. It just went really well with that nonfiction client. Mm. And I just decided I wanted to do this, you know, change my job.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so at what point did you realize I mean, obviously, if it you you made that leap, which is huge in itself, and and you had the client and it took off, I imagine that was a lot of work. But like, sounds like there was still space for something else.
1: And, yes. So. Oh. Yeah. So, yes. I, so I wanted to, you know, I took on that first client, and I was really learning a lot as I as I was working. And so that was exciting in a lot of ways because I was learning about a lot about not only book marketing and publishing, but also I was learning about online marketing because Mm -hmm. my, I learned a lot from my client because she was running a thriving online business. Mm -hmm. And so that got me really interested in, yeah, I started started blogging and, and just doing a lot of the same things that I saw other authors in, in, you know, who were doing well in the nonfiction space, you know, they were, yeah, they were, you know, creating videos or, um, creating little, you know, lead magnets and things like that. So I had a lot of, I had some space to really experiment and try blogging and try all kinds of things. And, um, that, so really I, I started out in terms of my writing journey, it was definitely, nonfiction. And at one point I decided, well, I saw all these, you know, all these fiction authors really rocking it in groups like 20 20 books to 50K. And um, of course, with a lot of the books I was reading Mm -hmm. and I wanted to try to make that leap into writing fiction and specifically sci-fi. So I started dabbling in that and I tried my first book, you know, during NaNoWriMo one year Mm -hmm. (laughs) and did, made it, I did the, I did the 50K words. Um, It was, you know, 50K words of not really, (laughs) not much that was um, very, you know, ready to publish or anything, but it got me started and, and that really got me interested in wanting to do fiction.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like you were able to apply kind of those those habits or or find them during that process.
1: Yes, yeah, especially, yeah. I think, but the biggest thing in terms of what I was going through at that time was juggling a lot because with these, the nonfiction book launches are they're pretty demanding because they're you have to be on top of a lot. And Mm -hmm. usually I'm in working with the client's team. So there's a lot, a lot of moving parts, a lot going on. Mm -hmm. So striking that balance where I could have my own creativity time, you know, I really had to make sure I'll, I'll block off my calendar in the mornings so that I have writing and creative time first thing in the morning before I kind of start my, you know, my Mm -hmm. client work, because Mm -hmm. otherwise i'm not what what would happen if i didn't do that i was kind of cheating myself in a way because Mm -hmm. i was putting everyone else's needs before my own (laughs) Mm -hmm. so yeah that's been key i really had to kind of change my you know how how i spend my time and try to you know help myself first a little bit
0: yeah well that's that's huge and I'm curious about the the fiction writing. Was it just a lark, or did you kind of always in the back of your mind, or at some point, had a fantasy or a desire to <laughs> write stories?
1: I yes, I I did because when so I've always been an avid reader all my life. Um, So, and I actually got hooked on Stephen King books really early. (laughs) My Mm. stepdad gave me Salem's Lot when I was eight. (laughs) I (laughs) I carried that book because I was obsessed with vampires and Uh I carried that book around with me everywhere I went. And even though I didn't understand everything in it, I was just, I loved it. And then I started reading other books, Cujo and things like that. (laughs) (laughs) And it's perfect for an
0: eight year old. (laughs)
1: I know. <laughs> I know. My poor mom, she must have been like, what's going on? Um, so I, yeah, I loved, uh, I loved all his books. And then I started reading short stories like Ray Bradbury and mm. just getting uh, introduced to all this kind of really cool sci-fi. And I uh, do, you know, Dune the movie in the 80s
2: mm-hmm. came
1: out and I was obsessed with that and tried, tried to read, the book, which I think was a little over my head at the time, <laughs> but I've since gone and, and read it. And so it just, yeah, I really loved, uh, you know, loved the idea of being a writer yeah. and I wrote, I, you know, I wrote some short stories and I, my friends and I, we had, hu- we just had these massive imaginations and we would write play. We would actually like take, a, we had an old typewriter. We would like write plays and try to perform these
2: <laughs> how old were you then and
1: so there was a lot of, oh I think like maybe ten, nine or ten or something oh, like that awesome. yeah,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> um yeah and so I thought wouldn't it be really cool to be a writer but in so I went on into you know high school I was very focused on academics and I went to a school that was science and technology based. So it was really demanding. So I pretty much just got disconnected from Mm. reading for enjoyment. um, Reading the kinds of, I mean, I had to read a lot of classics and things like that, which was good, all part of the education, but I think I got away from reading stuff for fun through, you know, all through high school and college. Um, So Mm. I think, yeah. And the other thing is I, and maybe this, has happened to a lot of people, but I never thought that being a writer was something possible because Mm -hmm. growing up, I had very, my parents instilled in me a really strong work ethic and my mother and stepdad were both um, government workers. I grew up around DC. So everybody was like NSA or NASA or USDA (laughs) and they all, you know, worked for the government for for almost their entire career. And Mm -hmm. so the whole thing growing up was, you know, do well in school and get your degree so that you can get a really good job when you get out and get a pension eventually. And just all those things, you know, buy the house and all that good stuff. Yep. And, (laughs) And so I really went down that route and I never thought it was possible to really i guess i thought there were way too many gatekeepers and it was impossible you know i didn't really even realize that you that anyone could publish a book on mm-hmm. amazon until mm-hmm. my i met the the neighbor who had done it and so i started to learn about it and started researching all of that and realized it was possible
0: yeah i think you and i started listening to the creative pen around the same time
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm.
0: and in the year we met at the 20 books conference that was my first nano and i stuck to doing the the 2000 words a day during the conference and yes that kind of was kind of a key like mindset boost like if i could do it on the road when i'm conferencing and talking to people all day and still get my words mm-hmm. before i collapsed into bed <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes i was impressed with your dedication because <laughs> i was not writing on that trip for sure <laughs> um i find it hard to write and when i'm traveling um
0: but yeah well you know i was yeah. i was on you know, i wrote down when you were telling me about your journey rebound job <laughs> your (laughs) nine-month revisit i was i was on my rebound job during that period and Mm. i didn't think i would get much time to write if i didn't just do it Mm -hmm.
2: but yeah that's 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 interesting
0: so how so how does how does this upbringing how do you i mean, just asking your opinion there's no right answer but like I hear this a lot about growing up with the strong work ethic and this idea of like maybe the safe route or safe thing to mm-hmm. do or mm-hmm. reliable thing to do. Um, that involves, you know, the job, the house, the pension is connected to working hard and hustling. Like, how does that fit in with being an author, right? like mm-hmm. we're a creative job like what what works well with that? And, like, maybe how is that somehow not synchronous?
1: So I think that that's an interesting question. And I was actually thinking about this recently, how I guess the whole experience uh, of working hard and kind of taking the more traditional route early in my career, it, it it did help set me up to be hardworking and motivated. And I, and those are qualities I think are very helpful in the business of being an author mm-hmm. for sure. And, and part of what led me to start my own business and start the book launch business was the project management experience that I had. I, I think I would never, or I would not be doing what I'm doing right now if I didn't have that background So I do think there's a lot, I guess the point I would try to make to people would be, you know, having a, having a lot of diverse interests is good Mm -hmm. and you can go, you know, you could go down the business route and get a business degree and learn, you know, because you're learning so much about how the world of business works and especially like working in, working for a company or a startup or even in government, you're learning so much about other people and how management styles and organizational styles Mm -hmm. and that can all make a huge impact when you want to start writing about it eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I think, yeah, it's really interesting. Just the, it's never a non, it's Never a, it's never a linear path right we're all kind of taking these little curves and twists in the road on our on our journey um I think the there's a lot of authors in the indie authors community who do have business backgrounds like um mm-hmm. they like Joanna penn and I know cecilia mecca has a yeah. business background too and yeah. they're like it I, I think there's um just a lot you can do with that. It really helps you when you're your marketing and you're, you're planning your business and you're engaging with with readers. Yeah. There's a lot I think that 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 business background brings to the table.
0: Yeah, and your your project management background like like the number one stumbling block block beyond believing that you could do it, right, is actually stringing together a series of days (laughs) or weeks or you Mm -hmm. know sequences of like activities that it takes to write and then publish a book right there's a
2: lot of pieces
0: it could be overwhelming
1: (laughs) yes i think yeah for people starting out i think that it's it's starting to develop that habit of sitting down and getting the words down. And even if it's, even if they're terrible words, you know, just that, I think that, that leap of getting things down on paper and Mm -hmm. getting the practice, putting the practice in, I think that's where, like when I was starting out, I just didn't realize how, you know, you kind of, what you kind of think you want things to be perfect. And that can also be a little bit, of a perfectionist tendency that, that people have, including me. Mm
2: -hmm. And,
1: but you really, you just have to kind of be willing to, to adopt the mindset where you put yourself out there and you know that not everything is going to be perfect, but you're getting the experience and you, you just start to make progress.
0: Yeah. Well, so, so tell me about that experience then of like writing those, that first book or those first books, like, you're putting the practice in like what's coming up for you at that point
1: mm-hmm. well when I first when my, my first book was called layoff reboot and it was was fresh from being laid off <laughs> so mm-hmm. I had a lot of I think I had a lot of that, um, you know, not, I wouldn't say revenge energy, but <laughs> that like, Hey, I'm, I had that starting energy of like, Hey, this is something brand new and it's exciting. And I have nothing, yeah. you know, <laughs> it was just kind of all that, that book was actually written pretty fast because I, I wanted to get it done and I had the time and I was just so kind of caught up in the excitement. Mm. And so from that, from, and and then I actually got the book done. And then I realized, Oh, I need, I need a website. I need a newsletter. (laughs) I need to start trying to find an audience Mm -hmm. and so I can write more books. And so I, you know, that putting all of that together was also really exciting and, you know, creating my first website and, and I would, I would write blogs and to be honest, I just, I didn't really know what I was doing and I didn't really know anything about seo or (laughs) anything like that i just tried to kind of mimic what i thought would be helpful Mm -hmm. for people and what i'd seen others doing well and yeah i mean i i think it was equal parts scary and also exhilarating and that yeah it just kind of snowballed right you Mm. the more you do it the more comfortable you start to feel and i mean i would I, I guess that kind of fear of failure, um, putting yourself out there, fear of maybe you got something wrong or somebody's not gonna like what you said. Mm-hmm. I think that's always that's always in in your head. It's it's at least it's always been in my head. But especially at first, I was kind of paralyzed with fear of like, well, what if I say the wrong thing? Um, or this gets blown out of proportion and but I realized once you do it enough, it's not. And you can actually help people and you start your words, your your messages may resonate with people. And you're, you know, that I think that's where it, it's it just gets easier with time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a big thing, like getting over. What if I say the wrong thing?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: like it i don't know what to say like because that could stop people from ever starting so like what would you tell somebody who's like yeah like i just i don't feel comfortable doing this i you know i'd love to do as you do but i can't because you know i could say what yeah. if i say the wrong thing like am i going to make myself unemployable or you know like, what what does what, yeah. do you reckon, what do you say to that
1: well, I would say, and I think this that's maybe more of a thing too that comes up with memoir mm-hmm. um, that uh, yeah I mean I so I knew that in writing this book about my layoff experience, I knew that I didn't want to say anything negative about my old job or people I worked with. I didn't want to burn any bridges. so
2: mm-hmm.
1: I was very careful not to put things in writing that would, um, yeah, that might hurt someone or put a, put negative toxic things out there. Mm-hmm. So um, that's why it was more of a self-help book for other people to learn from. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think if you're putting, if you know that you're, if you know the why of what you're writing and, mm-hmm. and if you are doing memoir, maybe you do have to change, you know, change certain events or people, to keep them from being recognizable. I, I don't know exactly. I haven't written memoir, but I think as long as you're creating, creating messages, creating content that is helpful to people mm-hmm. and that, yeah, I, I think you, you can get past the fear and you can, and if you're really that worried about it, you can um, go out and seek you know, someone who you don't know, you can, you can find, you can pay someone to, you know, read your manuscript or critique mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. look at it, you know, find somebody who, who's um, objective in their, in their review to see if it's really, if there's anything that's like inflammatory in there.
0: Yeah. And I, I assume, like, I don't know that you you'd read other books like what you were reading before.
2: Yeah. So you
0: maybe had some sense of what was, you know, expected or appropriate or how people dealt with, you know, difficult Mm -hmm. bits. Is that right? Yeah.
2: Yes.
1: Which is, yeah, a huge, a huge tip would be making sure. Yeah. If you're writing, if you're writing, especially if you're writing in a new, a new area, whether it's, you know, something nonfiction memoir what, whatever you're writing is to try to read at least at least three you know bestsellers in that genre to make sure you're you're getting the the same you're hitting the same conventions and you're not too far outside of what the readers expect
0: yeah yeah well you mentioned a big a big word if you know the why of what you're writing right I'm sure, you're comfortable sharing. Like, what was the why behind what you were writing at that time?
1: I so I think the why was that I had been creatively repressed for so long. Mm. <laughs> creatively repressed I, is that a thing? Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Whether it's by others or your values or yourself, I think that's possible. Yeah.
1: Right. And so it, I felt like it was the, yeah, maybe just years of being very focused, very tied into my job and being, being somewhat of a workaholic. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to just do something with creativity. And, and the idea, and also that, that entrepreneurial bug, the idea of being able to produce something that I had control over and Mm -hmm. that I could, that had my name on it, that I could go out there and show it to people and gift it to people and that I would meet people from writing this Mm -hmm. work. And, and like, and I think, you know, early on, Joanna Penn was always a huge advocate of, you know, and still is intellectual property and
2: Mm -hmm.
1: knowing that you have your copyright for, you know, 75 years after, after you pass away and that it can go on and be something that you, that your descendants inherit. So it's just, I don't know that that whole thing was really exciting to me. And that the fact that a lot of the gatekeepers that, you know, with traditional publishing, that those gates were coming down and the whole just brand new, exciting world of everyone having phones, (laughs) everyone, everyone can publish. And I just, I think it's great. And I think it's exciting. And I I see a lot of positive things with having that kind of career. And I never would have, I mean, if I had, and there's nothing wrong with, with staying, you know, with keeping your steady job or in a steady paycheck. And um, I, I, I may go back to a job someday. I don't, you know, who knows what the future holds. Yeah. Um, but having that ability to have a side hustle and, you know, being able to kind of choose what projects you want to work on, choose what you want to write. I just, I find it all very, very interesting and exciting. And mm. I, I feel like a whole new world was opened up to me in 2015. And so I mm. guess that's why I write and
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's cool, I and mean, all these things you're describing, you know, it's kind of tied into the idea of agency, right? Like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and maybe that's something we dance around sometimes, you know, in 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 corporate careers or those safe jobs, right? They're, they're great, you get to work with a lot of people, but there's very few people who have agency, very few people who are actually making decisions. It's more plugging in, right?
2: And, mm-hmm.
0: And, and that's a basic human need, the need to have some control or agency of what you're doing, um, one way or the other. But, but I suppose, sure. so you have this feeling of excitement and agency, and you're, you're jumping into this bold new world. And I know from my own experiences, I can't project again, but that in comes this fellow, Michael Anderley. <laughs> <laughs> who kind of like breaks this whole thing open by by having these crazy wild results out of the gate and sharing transparently what he's doing with everybody, right, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't happen. Like, I've never been in a culture or a business or a creative field before where people were transparent with what they were doing. Um, yeah. and. I feel like for me, and I don't know if this is true for you, like, because I feel like this ties into the productivity. Like, you're 11 fiction books in since, you know, 2015 is when your kind of writing started, but like mm-hmm. you were writing fiction less. Did it, does it dissuade or discourage you to hear about people when you were doing this journey who had? such big results out of the gate right Mm -hmm. away? Um, And did you take on that expectation that you would have big results right out of the gate?
1: So I found it super exciting Mm
2: -hmm.
1: (laughs) because I tend to be an optimist and Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, well, that's really cool that they're having so much success and they're, writing their little hearts out and yeah. they're just pumping out these books. Yeah. And so I found it really, yeah, I, I thought I want to, this is amazing. I, I wanted to do this. And that's why I went to the first conference in Vegas and mm-hmm. met you and others. And, but yeah, I, and I was really just starting out when I went there in fiction. I had, I mean, I had my first book and I think I was writing the second, I can't even remember, but it was so bad. I realized that I rewrote them pretty significantly Mm -hmm. and I just, I had no, I just didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And my covers were bad. I, I went through like a bunch of different covers and I think, I think I realized it was a learning process and that, I didn't necessarily think I was going to have super fantastic results right away. Mm. And they, I knew that some people were very lucky. Like I, there's this whole thing about being that early adopter. Yeah. And so I knew that because I've worked with authors in the nonfiction space who it's a very similar thing. Like they, like one client was like, very early on an early, early, early adopter of Facebook ads. And they, and it did so well for them and they were on it before everyone else was. And so I, I knew that like Michael Anderley and others were the first there. Mm-hmm. And so it's not necessarily, you're not necessarily going to be able to replicate those results exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and then I just, learned how hard, for me, it was very hard to make the transition to fiction mm. because I just wasn't, I really had never taken any kind of trait, like creative writing training or anything. So it, a lot of it was just having to start, you know, reading tons of craft books and mm-hmm. taking some courses and really not until I started actually working with, with better editors and Mm -hmm. like working with developmental editors. Did it, Mm -hmm. did it start, did my writing actually start to get decent enough? Um, yeah. So I guess, I I think it is hard though, that you do see so many people who have a ton of success and you, and if you're working really, really hard and it is kind of disheartening to see that you're, when you don't have the same success.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess my thing is just, like, keep working harder, and <laughs> I don't know, some people think I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, I'm, I'm curious, just because, like, many of us, I, can, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for myself, like, have this tendency to instantly, like, attach, like, a job status or financial goals to what we're doing creatively, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: you know, and so how have you, like, how did you stick in it long enough to, like, see this progression, like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: through 11 books? Like, w- was it that you were just getting so much nourishment and encouragement out of what you were learning that, or, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, I think that, so sticking with it, uh, I I did I, I got a lot of great feedback from the readers who did discover my books, like mm-hmm. um, who liked my characters. And so getting, you know, starting to build a reader base and finding those readers, to me, that was really fun in mm-hmm. a way. And it, it makes it makes what you're writing real. So yeah. if it's getting out there in the world and, and people are finding it and they're enjoying it. So I think that's what kept me going really. And I wrote, so I wrote that first series with four books and um, I, I wrote a, another series of three books and I wrote them pretty fast. I was doing a, I was doing um, Dean Wesley Smith's great novel writing challenge. Mm-hmm. And so The deal with that is that you write, you're supposed to write, um, at least a 50 K, uh, word novel every two months. Mm -hmm. And the idea was you're supposed to write it and also publish it
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: within those two months. Um, (laughs) so I did that for a year and I actually did write all six books. And, and I liked that because it gave me a deadline. It gave, it kept me accountable. So, I was supposed to send my ma- my entire manuscript to Dean every two months. And if I didn't miss, you know, if I missed that deadline, then he was, I would be disappointing him or something, you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever tricks you have to use. Um, so I wrote those three books and I did it kind of solo without really any feedback. And um, so, it, so that second series didn't really do as well. And I'm, considering kind of rewriting them or just maybe even not finishing the final book. We'll see. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I think I kind of had a a breakthrough in terms of my writing when I started my third series, which has been my best, um, my best reviewed and my,
2: mm-hmm.
1: the series that's been a fan favorite. Mm-hmm. And so again, it was just right. Being able to write something that actually delighted my readers is it, it just makes it worth it. And I know like, for a lot of people, yeah, I mean, that maybe the. I'm still learning and growing as a fiction author, and I think I, I just still have this hope that the monetary rewards are still out there, just mm-hmm. waiting to be claimed <laughs> once I, yeah, once I keep going and as I keep learning.
0: Yeah. What do you, yeah, you know, I guess this is, you know, I there's a certain value intrinsic value in what you just said like writing something that delighted my readers like made it so worth it right Mm -hmm. makes it so worth it like (laughs) in some sense there's something beyond a monetary value to that statement i i Mm -hmm. imagine right like
2: right yeah something, something
0: that you didn't get with your with your corporate job Mm-hmm. is there.
1: Yeah. And I think so my husband and I will ask that question sometimes, like if we won the lottery tomorrow and we mm-hmm. didn't have to work anymore, would I still keep writing? And for me, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's still, uh, it still brings me joy. Um, and, it, and sometimes it's really tough. I have, I mean, I will admit I, some days I just don't feel like writing or I want to quit or like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um like some just those days sometimes when you feel like, you know, you're not even making, you're making like far less than minimum wage or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if
2: you're, especially
1: if you, if you spend all this time on a series that doesn't sell like I have. Yeah. Um, It's kind of like, but for me, it's still a nut that I want to crack and yeah. I'm a problem solver and I won't quit until I figure out how to win at this. And Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't think I would quit if I, I'd probably hire a lot more help if I did win the lottery. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, if you, <laughs> if, if you, writing. if you did crack that nut and it was just like, so simple, like you, you knew exactly right. what to do and you get the result, would you still do it?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, just
0: because the process itself was so fun.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I would have more help. Like I would definitely outsource ads and some of the marketing stuff if I had <laughs> if I had all the resources. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Have you ever considered traditional publishing?
1: Um, So that's interesting because I work with almost exclusively with authors who have traditional publishing deals. Yeah. And I, um, yeah, I would, I would definitely consider it because it is, it's really interesting to have seen both sides. So Mm -hmm. all the, You know, self-publishing—you're on your own, and I think that's one of the harder things. Is you're, you know, as your as an indie author, you're responsible for all your decisions, like your cover design, your the content in your book, who you hire as an editor, all that stuff. Yeah. And and all the marketing, but when you have a publishing team, you do have a level of support that is pretty impressive. It, it kind of depends. Publishers vary, yeah. but I've worked a lot with people who, uh, you know, Random House and Harper Collins, like there, there's some really great talent on, at those, those publishing houses. And Mm -hmm. their, their biggest, the biggest thing that they help with is that they bring a really high level of quality to Um, the editing process. So Mm -hmm. you're really working with like top-notch editors. Sounds like you're getting
0: paid to learn.
1: (laughs) You are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Which is pretty cool. Yeah. And the, and they do, I mean, obviously the, there's sales teams at those um, publishing houses. So they are, you know, you kind of have this chance to kind of pitch your book. Um, Mm -hmm. So You can, like, especially if in nonfiction, if your book helps people solve a problem, it you can get the sales teams really excited and they'll kind of go out to the Amazons, the Barnes and Noble, um, all of the kind of buyers at those retailers to to try to, you know, get them to stock your book. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of have to, it's interesting because you kind of have to, like, market yourself to the publisher and show them how how well you're going to be able to market the book to your own followers. Mm-hmm. It's kind of this dance. And then <laughs> and then the the publisher is also trying to help you by getting your book out there and marketing it well. And they they do, you know, it is the printing process and being able to keep, you know, fill all the stock at Amazon and Barnes and Noble, all the stores, like they are the publishing houses are really still really crucial for that piece of the business. Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
1: So I, I, I like what you said actually about you kind of would learn from them Mm -hmm. and get a crash course in publishing and how the book process works. And especially for writers who are writing their first book. And, but then I think that once you kind of have that if you have a big enough audience, like, why wouldn't you just go and and yeah. self-publish and make more income? Because you're really only making, like, a dollar off of a $20 book if yeah. you're in
2: publishing, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, so. yeah I agree. And, you know, I guess the flip side is if you don't have an audience, it's, you know, you can yeah. potentially crack, have a built-in budget that you're not paying for to build an audience which Mm
2: -hmm.
0: yeah given exactly so many experiences to have have you ever thought about anything beyond like you know screenwriting screenplays other other forms of storytelling telling in the future
1: in the future i think so i think i'm still really trying to like i said crack the nut on (laughs) Mm -hmm. um publishing you know publishing and marketing my books and really creating a series that is just a, you know, something that goes on to be not only a bestseller when you first launch, but also just something long-term that has a, lo- a long tail
2: Yeah.
1: and, and being able, you know, I would love to write I, the series. My fan favorite series is one that I'm hoping to continue and really invest in because I do see it kind of being like six to 10 or even more, books in that mm. universe. Mm-hmm. So, so that is really exciting to me. And I think that it just, it's just takes the time you kind of have to put in the time to make that happen.
2: Um, yeah. Yeah. and
1: you see so many authors who generate so much income from their backlist. And so I, I you know, it's, it really is kind of more of a marathon <laughs> in, yeah. in this journey and sometimes you may not see traction for you know five or more years right the
0: overnight success (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) seven years courtney that's when it's coming seven
2: years (laughs) yay i would be so excited
0: (laughs) (laughs) well it sounds like you've in some sense you've experienced success right
1: You oh know, yeah, like for sure. Like you, I,
0: you've been I, self-employed, you've written all these books, you have these clients, you know, and and these books that are delighting readers is pretty special.
1: It really is, and uh, yeah, I, I I often remind myself of that. How that it's I've been very fortunate to be able to design design my career and. Hmm just be able to creatively, you know, pursue different creative ventures. And I I like the variety of different projects and different clients too. Mm -hmm. And so I think like anyone can make small moves to get, you know, to get to a place where they do have more creative freedom. And, but yeah, it just takes time. And sometimes it's little, little tiny steps. You
2: have to take,
0: yeah it's not all at once but i i guess it helps to know what you what you need and to be willing to Mm -hmm. honor that yeah so (laughs) (laughs) i have a couple ways i could go but i i think what i kind of want to ask is you know what is it about this third series that's working for you did you find something in your voice or like in what's Mm -hmm. important to you and what you're writing.
1: Um, I, I think that I finally figured out. uh, So when I first started out writing fiction, I was, I was pantsing a lot Mm -hmm. and didn't really think through what was happening, where the story was going. I was just kind of figuring it out as I went Mm -hmm. and, so then I, um, you know, as I started to go to, you know, the 20 books conference and I started to learn from others and took courses. And I went on the uh, the authors on a train trip in mm. 2018 and, and met um, Zach Bohannon and Jay Thorne. And I learned, basically kind of learned their whole method for outlining. And that really, really helped me with this, this new series, because Mm. I had, I actually had more of a standardized approach and I found, I found the outline that worked for me. I had, I had read a lot of craft books and tried different kinds of outlining, but this something about this just kind of clicked for me. Mm. And, and I think I picked up the, the character that I had in mind. I just picked up on the voice really quick and I knew, I knew that character's goal. So the, this, series is that this robot after there's a robot apocalypse and this robot who's this um, timid cleaner bot. He just, he just wants to find a nice hotel to clean because that's what, that's what he's programmed for. He ends up um, stumbling across an abandoned baby and he has to take this baby and try to get the baby to safety. Mm -hmm. So I just knew the character had a really strong goal and it, was just something that enabled me to, to pick up on the voice and really carry it through and make it really solid, mm. Had a solid plot. Mm.
0: So what was it about that character, you know, or, or journey that like you connected with, like why write the story? What was.
2: What... <laughs> well,
1: my, well, definitely I had some inspiration because my niece my baby niece was born around the same time mm-hmm. I was starting to write that write this book so I had <laughs> I was kind of hanging out with a newborn baby and just thinking my weird my weird brain of <laughs> going in these different places like what if a robot had to take care of a baby you're <laughs> taking, your, taking <laughs> so... your
0: baby niece to dystopia
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> Lovingly, and, yeah, and the, the world was ending, and and you had this baby. Yeah. <laughs> There's no humans around. What's it gonna do? And it just, yeah, I mean, the, just the the idea took hold, and so having a like a baby I could picture just kind of helped. Um, and I think that a lot of it too was just because the character is really look was looking for a new home and looking for family. I mean that's. The connection of having of, of having family, and sometimes just finding family that you may not be biologically related to, but friends and and people who care about you, and and you caring about them in return. I think just those are core human, you know, human desires that mm. we all have, and it was just an, something that could that's so relatable, and so that makes it easy to write about.
0: Uh. Do you do you think that was like a like different from some of your other other work like
1: Yes that, because that I had a theme of, I'm
0: circling core <laughs> human desires yeah
1: Yes yeah I think and that was part of what I it took me a while to learn mm. um that you have to have a strong theme and I didn't know that when I first started writing and so that's why I think some of my earlier attempts were maybe where, you know, they might have had themes about belonging and being standing up for yourself and maybe standing up against bullying, but mm-hmm. to have this kind of greater, this theme that really evolves throughout the series that like, that's what I've really picked up and started to use in my writing. Mm.
0: So how did, how's your theme evolving in the series? Is, is it consciously sticking to that because it's a baby like these core human desires that you mentioned a robot was core human desires right (laughs) yeah
1: yeah Yeah. he's right some of my fans say like the robot is more sometimes more human than the humans (laughs) Uh in the book um because he's right he's he's wrestling with right and wrong and what does it mean to be human and Mm. just a lot of those yeah a lot of those kind of same same questions that come up in like when you read like um Philip K Dick and um Ray Bradbury and like just things like that that are yeah there's just so much to unravel when you start writing about that and it's really fun and you yeah it's like peeling the layers of an onion back.
0: (laughs) It sounds like you found your lane. That's really. Yeah,
1: I I hope so. And a lot of it, and some of it's lately been influenced too with I'm doing a a co writing project, and we are to kind of get there's a few of us writers and to kind of all get on the same page, we've Mm -hmm. had to adopt us, you know, the same kind of outlining approach. And we've actually been using um, Take Off Your Pants, Mm -hmm. um, that outline.
0: And is that approach, different? Than, but, is that different than the one that you prefer for your solo writing?
1: Yeah, um, it, a little bit. You know, it's it's all the same. I would say it's the same concepts, but just you know, spun slightly differently. Mm-hmm. Where take off your pants. Um, you know, it's still they're both they're still the hero's journey, but um, take off your pants has the goal, attack, thwart. Mm -hmm. Kind of, um, where you might be repeating that goal attack for, and then like an ally attack who, um, so like kind of the person that talks sense into your main character. Mm -hmm. Um, and whereas what I was doing before was more like, um, the the inciting incident, uh, leads to like a decision and a crisis question and then an obstacle and a reaction, obstacle reaction, So they're kind of the same thing, like that goal attack fort, And, but one of the other things we also baked in is the, um, Lisa Crone, the story genius book, um, Mm -hmm. how she talks about misbeliefs and how, um, your character, like having, it's the lies that you believe to be true, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, I like maybe I am unlovable and yeah. so therefore like that's why I push everyone in my life away. Yeah. And so when you give your care it's almost like a character flaw but you put like she calls it the misbelief. Yeah. And you're always kind of playing with that character misbelief and mm-hmm. yeah either they overcome it and they maybe they move on to a different misbelief or hmm. they they dig deeper into their misbelief because of what happens. So it's really, it's very cool how you can just kind of play with that and like, keep it going for a series.
0: Yeah. So you, you probably have like an ensemble cast then if you have multiple writers.
1: Yeah. There's, this is multi P like multi POV, um, which was pretty new to me. I haven't done a lot of multi POV stuff and I really, it's, it's been really fun. Hmm.
0: And when you have, I I assume everybody has these misbeliefs then that kind of drive the story.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah.
0: How is co-writing different for you than the solo writing?
1: It's, it's fun in that I'm not alone. I think when we write a lot by ourselves, like it can be kind of lonely. Mm -hmm. And so it, it has been fun writing as a team and, the ability to get instant feedback, ne- nearly instant feedback, is huge because we're all, you know, reading each other's chapters and giving feedback. So, and I know when I've written my other books, my other series, it I don't share it with an editor, or I don't share it with my beta readers until it's actually finished. And so, this this instant feedback is really great with yeah. the co-writing. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun.
0: I love that. Too. <laughs> that that is definitely the best part of of co-writing. Yep. Yeah.
1: The like the only thing that's challenging and sometimes uh you know, it's just different styles is um like the plotting and especially when your characters are overlapping in certain mm-hmm. scenes or yeah, they have conversations. Yeah, that that's tricky. <laughs> like you have to so, definitely yeah. set some time aside to like really Get all your outlines straight, so that's pretty
0: tough. That there's (laughs) some overhead. Uh,
2: Yeah,
0: Yeah. I guess it all ends up being work, even if it's play and fun too. There's always Mm -hmm. something.
2: (laughs) Well, that's
1: cool. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I'm excited for that that uh, series to eventually come out. I don't know when it will be, but.
0: Yeah, I, I I'm assuming you can't really talk about it or promote it more than you're doing it at this point. Yeah,
1: no, yeah. I can't. It's it's um it, not until we're done and <laughs> <Fair> someday. <enough.
0: laughs> well, for people who want to learn more about you, Courtney, how can they do that?
1: Oh, sure. So you'll find my nonfiction on ProjectManagerWriter dot com. Hmm. So that's hmm. where you can find my blog and stuff about book launch and all that good stuff and then my fiction is cameroncoral.com
0: right and just for people who won't look at the notes that's with c's on that cameron c's yeah, yeah. Great.
1: cameron coral book
0: and i will C. put links in the show notes for anybody who looks
1: awesome awesome that's exciting yeah.
0: well courtney it's been fun chatting with you today
1: yeah Excellent. Thank you so much. It's been a blast.
0: I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Fearless Storyteller. As a reminder, any and all links can be found in the show notes. And if you're enjoying this podcast, will you please consider leaving a review? By doing so, you'll be helping new listeners discover The Fearless Storyteller podcast.